the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Flynn, we've got a great show for you. In this half hour of the show, we'll be doing a repeat of an interview with Rabbi Nachum Kaplan, who is a world-class educator, wrote a book called Education Imperative, something which is, I guess, imperative that we have to know about. Great interview. You will enjoy it. We have... New music. This some of these we have new artists. This is just like we're right there ahead of the edge, right at the head of the curve. The second half of the hour will be featuring insights into the portion of Yisro, which features, which is in Exodus chapter nineteen, features the giving of the Torah. We have a really dynamic Hasidic story about the Rebbe's wife, Chaimushka Schneerson, whose yard site is observed this Wednesday. And why don't we just go to Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We are on the line with Rabbi Nachum Kaplan, who's a uh, world-renowned educator and has written recently a book called The Education Imperative Guidance to Parents and Educators. How are you today, Rabbi Nachum? Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, or is it good morning in Detroit? It's no, we're in the same time zone, believe it or not. So the world didn't fall off the edge of the cliff when you get to the Hudson River. No, we're still there. Anyway, so okay. So talking about education, Jews generally are referred to in the in colloquially as the people of the book. And a lot of people think that's because we have like the Bible, but it's really a whole lot more of that. And then it may relate to something you know there the Eskimos, for example, have like 12 words for snow. In Judaism, in Hebrew, there's probably like 12 or 15 words for learning and teaching. 
So with this now, so it seems like education for, I love the title, education for Jews is an imperative. So talk about that, please, Rabbi Kaplan. Well, education is not a process which begins uh, when you actually enter a school, um, formally beginning the educational process. Education begins far before that, years before. The child is learning all the time. And education continues, hopefully, <clears throat> until we take our last breath. We're always educating ourselves, improving ourselves. Uh, that's the general overview. Mm-hmm. Let me in- let me interrupt. Actually, I re- let me interrupt. I heard a story from you, as a matter of fact, that someone went to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe and said, uh, "Mazel tov. Give me a Mazel tov. My son gave birth to a, a boy. When should I start his education?" And the previous Rebbe said, "You're nine months too late." Yes, very much so. But without getting into that so much, in addition to that, we have a mitzvah or a divine uh, commandment that we continue learning Torah forever. Torah is not a process which ever takes a rest and never stops. So we teach the children early on how to learn and how to maneuver their way through holy books. But later on, we follow with the actual learning process. Once the child has the skills, we expect the young man or young woman will continue learning and studying and familiarizing themselves not just with Jewish texts, but with those things that make them better people. Okay, so why is that, Nahum? Why is there such an emphasis with education among Jews? Well, that's a question one has to ask from the Almighty. This is, uh, we were enjoined right at Sinai, that we need to learn and to teach Torah all our lives. And uh, our sages 2,000 years ago translated the words, when you shall lie down and when you get up. When you get up means uh, when you lie down is the end of your days, at the end, and when you get up will be at the beginning of a new dawn. But all our lives we need to study and to teach. Okay. So what what the I remember when the Rebbe first instituted the study of Rambam. So I was in Kolel and someone had an idea that they should put together some kind of compendium of all the time that the Rebbe spoke about Rambam. And someone commented, well, it would probably be easier if you put together a compendium of all the times the Rebbe didn't speak about Rambam. So here you have a book about education, and you've called many sources where the Rebbe talked about education. And I'm thinking it probably it may have been easier to call sources where the Rebbe didn't speak about education. So can you in, uh, can you capsulize what was the Rebbe's um, philosophy when it came to educating children? Well, as I said, it's not only children, but... The Rebbe's general philosophy was that we are all individuals. Everybody learns differently. Everybody's interests are different. You need to find a place where you feel comfortable and challenged learning. A. So every child needs to be dealt with according to his or her abilities to see that he or she becomes the best person he or she can be. That's A. But the same thing is true with ourselves. We need to continue studying. learning, discovering, and so forth, so that we can become better people. And that's a process which begins and continues all through our lives. 
Okay. Have have you seen that in schools that you work for? There's something called the uh, the education office, the Chinuch office, the education office, and you've seen quite a few day schools in your time. Do you see that this type of education has been being implemented in Jewish schools? Well, there's another issue I think that uh, is paramount for us that the Rebbe stressed many, many, many times that education is not a process of bull and accumulation of skills. It's a matter of impacting one's life. It's a matter of refining ourselves. It speaks to the soul, not just to the mind and the intellect. So our schools, what we try to do in our schools, is not just to teach skills, but to see how those skills and the knowledge that children are imparted impacts them personally. That's the bottom line. Bottom line is, so how can you be different tomorrow because you've learned X, Y, and Z? Of course, that's a challenging process for an adult, (laughs) for children, doubly so. But still, that's the the, um, imperative, if you wish, to see that the education impacts us, that we are different. We become better people as a result of our learning. <clears throat> okay, can I can I put you on the spot? Hopefully, um, so there's a lesson. One of the first lessons in Talmud that a child learns is that two people come to court, and they're both grabbing onto a garment. And one says, "I found it; it's all mine." And the other one says, "I found it; it's all mine." And they may they each take an oath that whatever the oath is, we're not going to go there now. And then the the, tals, the the garment is divided. Okay, so this is one of the first lessons a kid learns when he's eight, nine years old. Could you give me an example of how such a thing as that can be impactful on a child's life? What would, it, what would a teacher, an educator, a parent do with this very basic, and I'm choosing this one because it's one of the first things that kids are learning that would make them to, to fulfill this goal that you're, you're talking about? Or the Schneidmerzen is taught somewhere around the child's 11th or 12th year, not at a 7-year-old. But at, at that point... There are so many things that we need to stress, and the most obvious is compromise, that there is no such thing as standing your ground without the ability to be able to see somebody else's ground as well. It's basic. Here's are two people who really believe that this particular uh, garment, as it were, uh, is theirs for whatever reason it is. Each one can, can show in their own mind how they are absolutely certain that they're the, the owners of this piece of, uh, of clothing. And yet, at the end of the day, we need to compromise. Now, if we can learn that lesson, then we've learned a great deal. But besides that, we're taught also the value of things, the value of possession and not to take other people's things. There's so many things that come into play when learning this particular mission, this particular passage of the Mishnah. Bravo. That's wonderful. Okay, so um, the primary educator are the parents, and specifically the mother. So what does the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe say about a mother's role in educating her young children? These are the children we're talking about before they go to school. The mother's role is not one that starts when the child is an infant or ends when the child goes off to school. The mother's role is to be a compassionate parent, <clears throat> to be a, a passionate parent 
as opposed to sometimes the way many fathers are. And of course, the role of mother and, and father can sometimes be juxtaposed depending upon personalities. But the idea is that the mother teaches the child love, compassion, feeling for others, caring for others, doing whatever you can for others. The father, on the other hand, would teach the child strength and commitment and things of that nature. And that's being done more than anything else by the parents acting out their role, by parents being genuine in what they're trying to teach. And the child picks it up vicariously. And within that, they have demanded of parents that they need to see that the home is a place of harmony and peace. If for no other reason than the children need to experience that kind of harmony in order to grow up to be confident people, to be uh, children who are self, who feel that they can express themselves and so forth and so on. Okay. And so then how then is it expected that the parents interact with the teachers as the, let's say we're talking about like a grade school teacher and then going into middle school and high school teachers even, uh, to, to complement each other then, Reb Nachum Kaplan? Well, the first and foremost thing I believe is that parents need to see that the role of the teacher is fortified in the eyes of the child, to be supportive of a teacher. If you want a child to learn from a teacher, then the child needs to feel that what I'm learning from this teacher is important, that the teacher is teaching me something which is truthful and honest, and that it will impact my life as well. If you come back home, if a child comes back home and the parent says, well, that's all you learned today, big deal. Okay, that's not so important. And the message to the child is what you're doing in school is of secondary importance. What you're doing elsewhere is more important. That's the first role, and probably one of the most important roles that uh, a parent has in interacting with teachers. A. B. Every parent needs to be able to find ways to reinforce that which is being taught in school. It doesn't mean to ask a child to say, what, what did you learn in school? Now let me see whether or not you actually assimilated those skills. That's not the issue. The issue is to be able to follow up the kinds of personal and, and, and uh, character-building things that the child is learning in school and to see if that's reinforced at home as well. That way, both home and school are like two parallel tracks upon which a child can ride into his future. Okay, fascinating. Okay, our guest today is Rabbi Nachum Kaplan. He's a world-renowned educator. has written a book called The Education Imperative Guidance to Parents and Educators. Okay, so... You have been involved with education in various ca capacities for, I would say, probably more than 50 years at this point. What what was your impetus in putting this book together, Education Imperative, Nahum? Well, one of them was COVID. I was at home for a couple of months and not been going to go into the office other than something on my computer. I figured I, I needed to do something constructive. And one of the things that in the back of my mind I always had was that we needed to write something in, in which so the parents and teachers are able to, to, to see what their views were with regard to uh, a myriad of educational issues. So when I had the time, I used the time and the opportunity to write something that I've been thinking about for a very long time. It, it needed, I think it needed to be done by somebody. And because I had the time then, I did it. 
Okay, interesting. So when you were writing it, who were you thinking that would be the the beneficiaries of this this work, education imperative? Well, the ultimate beneficiaries, I hope, are going to be children. If parents and teachers will be on the same page with children, the children are the ones who are beneficiaries. The parents benefit from it. If you want to familiarize yourself with the Rebbe's ideas about various aspects within the child's upbringing, they're, they're pretty clear. Those things that Rebbe spoke about, they're pretty clear, and I think uh, written in language that most people can understand. Um, and the same thing is true for teachers. There are things outside of the classroom. If a teacher is puzzled as to what uh, the parents' role ought to be, or how they need to interact, there's a good deal of guidance there from there about that as well. Okay, so let's talk about then. So how did you go about doing it? What was your 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 thinking and putting first together? An outline and then the, the research and, the, 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 like I jokingly said it before, but how did you limit your research of what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said about in education into only, I'm looking at how many pages, into 200 and 380 350 pages. 350 pages, yeah, yeah whatever. How, how did you li- limit it into that, just that? You're right. The limitation is probably, limiting myself probably was one of the more, more difficult things. Uh, I had to look through the, many of the Rebbe's writings, uh, including uh, his the Sikhas, the talks that he gave, lectures uh, and writings, the letters that he actually wrote himself, and to try to find a common thread throughout some of them with regard to various issues. So it, it means first researching and putting things into index cards and seeing what they ever said and finding the common thread and then trying to pull them together and uh, to, to write something about each issue. I, I have um, a general commentary that uh, accompanies the various issues that are being discussed. Uh, that was the last part of it, putting a commentary together. Okay, and uh, so just discuss the the format. You have it broken up into sections. If you could discuss the the different sections without going into great detail, but just the overview of the sections of the book, Education Imperative, Nachum Kaplan. Well, uh, depending upon the stages of education, you want to particularly hone in on one area or another. There's a section, for example, that deals with the various stages of a uh, child's upbringing, and so parents will look at that. And then there's a section on schools and, ch- and, and teachers and how parents and teachers need to interact. So teachers will look at that. There are things that are exclusive to parents about the upbringing of the general upbringing of children from the very earliest stages. What's the important? What are important things? What are the things that are negligible? So there's a section on that. Um, once I had all the ideas together, I divided up into sections, and from the sections and into um, the various uh, ideas that they had to put forth. And I have in each one of the sections of the ideas, I have uh, between three and a half a dozen quotes, and then uh, a running commentary on those quotes to put them into perspective. Okay, interesting. So, so a person who has uh, very young children would be able to just pick this off the shelf. But you said education is ongoing. So all my kids are out of the house. And like people ask me, well, how's your family? I say, Baruch Hashem, they're all out of the house and they're not asking me for money. So the... Um, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> 
Well, I will tell you a cute story. We have a running deal in my family that any of my kids who complete all 49 days of counting the Sephira get a small Slurpee. So I did there give, you are. I give there Dave you my are. kids money. I had to, since they're out of the house, I had to sell them the dollar forty nine for the small Slurpee. Yes. <laughs> small Slurpee. Okay. Small Slurpee. Yes, of course. Yeah. We're, we're uh, health food people, so... <laughs> So we don't give them day ones. Anyway, <laughs> so my youngest is 28. Um, uh, just generally because, okay, so I'm a big fan of the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and would buy this just for that. But um, Joe, Joe Parent, whose kids are older, what are they getting out of education imperative, Nahum Kaplan? To get a view of education that may enlighten them as to what education really is all about, that their role in education is as important not more so than that of the school, how they can help the school, how the, ch- the children are able to learn from both parent and school simultaneously and come up better and stronger for it. Um, I- I'm trying to see, and hopefully we will be somewhat successful, that as many young parents get a hold of the book as possible, because I think it will strengthen their educational skills, the skills of being able to deal with their children as parents and how they need to deal with their children's formal instructors, the school and the teachers. Okay, that's awesome. Um, this, is, this is just about wrapping it up. The uh, I'm just kind of giving a quick purview if there's any other questions, but I, anything else that you'd like to add? I've asked all of my questions, and this has been very fascinating. Um, I think it's important to know that the role of a parent is not just to be honest and truthful to yourself. But the role of a parent is to see that the the child understands why the parent is doing X, Y, and Z. A parent can be doing some wonderful things and the child quizzically looks at the parent and says, what in the world are you trying to do? And what are you trying to teach me? It's a good idea for parents to say, I had a number of things and options that I could have taken done. I chose this one because this one does X, Y, and Z for me. To point out to children, not just you know, look look at look at my behaviors and try to emulate them, but actually point out why certain decisions were made and how these decisions uh, will impact both the parent and potentially the child as well. Okay, cool. Okay, so how do people get a hold of the education imperative? Guidance to parents and educators is gleaned from the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rav Nachum Kaplan. Um, you can get online at chinuchoffice.org, uh, C-H-I-N-U-C-H office, O-F-F-I-C dot org. Um, there's also a, a website which is specific to the book. Um, frankly, I don't, I don't remember it offhand. Okay, so you're, I'm you're, really you're, not doing the sales. Your, your publisher actually, the your publisher yeah. contacted me and said, make sure he mentions that the book is available on rebbeoneducation.com. Oh, there you so are. There you are. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's Amazon, wherever you get your fine jurors. Well, so our guest today is, has been Rabbi Nachman Kaplan, who is a uh, foremost educator, been involved with Jewish education for more than 50 years, has written the book, The Education Imperative. We want to thank you so much for coming on and elucidating this wonderful work, Rabbi Nachman. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi Okay. I'm very appreciative. And... Uh, 
I wish you good luck. Thank you. And you the too. Objective you too. Comes along. Take care. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish. The interview with Nahum Kaplan. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next is Joey Newcomb. Not a not a newcomer, but he's oh boy, I bet he gets that all the time. But anyway, he's written a piece which other serious composers have done, and it's the idea is is the song is one note, and this is called. A one note niggun, which means a one note song, and if you do it, if you, you there, there are others who do it. I think Elgar did one in like the note of E or something like that, where the the whole thing going is just like E, and it's like E E E, and they're all doing different E's, and it's like it's really like flipped out. But this is not flipped out because the note is is E, but you'll understand he uh, he explains it himself. So let's listen to Joey Newcomb. Sing the same note over and over again And you wonder when will this note change Or will it ever end Then you realize something you may not have realized before That when the chords are changing You're just not the same note anymore Yeah. Sometimes you may feel like one little note 
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Fenman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, the next two songs are the premier uh works of the artists this is their first time the first foray into jewish music there are a lot of people who are trying to make jewish music and we get them all and they don't all get played over here so if they got played over here it's kind of like the good housekeeping seal of approval if i'm allowed to say that i hope the good housekeeping people don't mind but it's a standard if it's on the jewish hour it's been vetted and we hope you'll enjoy it because i like it so this is shlomo glazer gonna keep your eye on him he's uh the song is called chase your dreams he's kind of sort of reggae-ish sort of and it'd be he's got really a good voice and it'd be better if he just um sang regular style and didn't do anything kitschy but it's a little bit kitschy but i like it i'm playing it so let's listen. I see my days as they gone by. I see the time how fast it does fly. I look up to the sky, reminding me of the day I die. All these things I've given into a summer's day, a winter night, can be a whole year of my life. How long I've been in the same. 
Shlomo Glazer, Chase Your Dreams. Up next, also brand new, his name is Beryl Faden, and uh, also very good voice. I like him and I like his presentation. So it's the song is called Imadi, and it's taken from the 23rd Songs. And though, yea, though I walk through the valley of evil, I fear no evil because you are with me. And Imadi means with me. Let's listen. Oh, 
assurance of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's the symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com that's mi for michigan ko for kosher and sup for supervisors mycosup.com and find this month's featured products you'll find michigan k products wherever fine food is sold especially at natural food patch on west nine mile road in ferndale Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have an exciting portion this week. This is the portion of Yisro. In English, it would be Jethro. And in it is the giving of the Torah. It's like, ta-da! Here it is, folks. doesn't get more exciting than that. Let's analyze some of the details, at least one detail, and the time allotted over here. It says that the, 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 the Almighty said, I am the Lord your God. And the people looked to the east, and they saw the voice of the Lord. What, what's wrong with that picture? Okay. And they looked to the, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. And they looked to the west, and they saw the voice of the Lord. And indeed, the Talmud comments that they saw that which was heard and heard that which was seen. So there's a rule, okay? Even even God puts down rules, like as far as like miracles 101. One of the rules about miracles is there's never a miracle is done for no purpose. So if a miracle is being wrought, you know, miracles are not just done, they're wrought, W-R-O-U-G-H-T. If a miracle is being done, there's a reason for it. There's some, like, great thing that has to come out because of this lesson. Now, wouldn't it have been enough just to say, you know, like in the, in the Cecil B. DeMille, the, the Cecil B. DeMille's movie from 1956, four hours long. By the time you get to it, by the time you get to the point where it's the giving of the Torah, it's like, really? Um, but I am the Lord. You know, I'm not going to do a God invitation. Well, I could probably do a better God than the guy who did God in 1956. I think they had to like have him talk normal and slow his voice down so it was down here like this because after all, God is a baritone, right? You know, (laughs) 
Actually, there's a proof that uh, from the book of Ezekiel that God has a very still, high voice. But we're not going to go there. Wouldn't it have also been, like, tremendous having heard God say, I'm the Lord your God and don't have any other? What's, what do we need to see the voice? Why do we need to hear things that are, are normally seen? What's, what's the deal? The lesson that the takeaway from it is what was, what was a major function of the giving of the Torah? Was to elevate the Jewish people. And it's, it's not even alluded to. It says the first commandment starts, I am the Lord, your God, or I am God, your Lord, if you like, whichever way you like to translate it. Each one of those is an expression of God. The last one, your Lord, represents God in nature. And that's pretty much what everybody in the world, 8 billion people, relate to. We relate to the forces of nature. We know that in Michigan, for example, it's going to be cold and there's going to be, there's going to be snow sometimes. And eventually... It's going to be spring, and then it's going to be summer, and it's going to be hot. And then it's going to be fall, and everybody's going to love the colors. Ooh, and then they're going to fall off the trees, and we're going to start all over again like this with winter. And we know what each season is going to bring. And all of that, when you think about it, is the fact that it, these things happen are, are quite amazing. We, we have in the Jewish Ferndale property, we have four sugar maples. And someone suggested that we tap the sugar maples. When do you tap a sugar maple? Sometime in February. It's like freeze. It's freezing cold out. It's frigid. But the sap is already running because the sap is like the lifeblood of the tree. And so that the time comes around like April time, like all of the branches have sap in them. In the wintertime, if they have sap in them, the sap would freeze, the branches would become brittle, they would all fall apart, the tree would die. So like this, the Almighty makes it that the sap runs into the roots. And then sometime around February, when it's still freezing cold, the sap starts rising back up. We have never done it because the ratio of sap to syrup is 40 to 1. So if you want a gallon of maple syrup... You have to collect 400 gallons of sap and then boil it down, which we're not going to boil out 399 gallons of water from sap. We're not doing that. It takes three days to do it, someone told me. I said, no, nah, if you want to come and do it, you know, if anybody wants to tap our trees and build a sap reducer in our backyard, more than happy. You can contact me at, at uh, rabbifinman.com. We'll let you tap our trees if you know what you're doing. Then there's the name Hashem, God, which God is in a, it's a uh, contraction of Hayah, Hayah, was, is, and will be simultaneously. 
Now, in laws of nature, what was, was, what is, is, and what will be, will be. But when you go a step above nature, when you get out of the limitations of nature, so it's all one thing. It's all relating to God above nature. It's relating to the world in a way above nature. So the Jews were elevated above the nature with the giving of the Torah. But they weren't just elevated above nature. Because if you're above nature, you still have a relevance too. You can still relate. You can still, you're still limited by the bounds of nature because you're above nature. How high are you? I'm above nature. So that's where the Anochi comes from. The Anochi is I. It's just a simple, essential aspect of Hashem, of God. And that's what the giving of the Torah accomplished, that every Jew can relate, essentially, their essence to Hashem's essence. And that is shown by the fact that we could see the voice. We could hear the lightning that which was seen was heard, and that which was heard was seen. We can do it. We, speaking of doing it, are going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. Would you like to get in touch with me? Best way, go to RabbiFinman.com. Right there on the homepage is a contact link. Contact me and everything. You got it. Just whatever it is, if you have a question, comment, criticism, inquiry, whatever keyword you got over there, just throw it at me. It's okay. It's all good. Like I tell people I'm available 24-6 to answer questions. Usually, if you get to me on an, uh, like a Sunday, I'll answer it right away. During the week, I get busier. So, uh, uh, although this Sunday, these Sundays are, are also packed. So, but I, I promise you, Lee entered that. You write to me, I'll give you a response back. No problemo, as we say. You'll also find archived editions of the radio show. You'll find other ways in which we present Judaism. And you'll find a very important donations page. It is the end of January, and we're really close. We just need a little a little push to get over the hump for January. We're almost paid. I hope by the by the end of the week, when January ends, that... When is February? I don't know. I'm not even looking at my calendar. It's uh, a week from tomorrow. Okay, so we're in the last week. Okay. So, but next next week when I record the show, it'll be February already. So, we're almost there. And it's your bit that'll push us over. 
and then we get to pay, and then we get to be on for another month, and you get to listen, and you get to be happy, and everybody else who gets who's been listening gets to be happy, and everybody's happy. It's a good thing, and it's a tax-deductible contribution, et cetera. You know the drill. So, and I'm making the promise already, if we get February paid off, as soon as we get February paid off, we don't do an appeal. It happened once this last July, 20, 29 years I'm doing this show. I make this promise that if the month is paid off before the end of the month, then I don't make an appeal. It happened ja- July 2023, the first time. Yay. So let's let's make it a regular thing. Why should it have to be? I'm always catching up. Well, let's jump forward. So look forward, as they say. So go to RabbiFinman.com. Do it today. It's all very safe, secure, and uh, you'll appreciate doing it. We'll appreciate doing it, and everybody listening will appreciate doing it. As I mentioned before, this Wednesday is the anniversary of the passing, the Yurtzeit, of the Rebbe's wife, the Rebbe Sanchaya Mushka. She was a very private, reserved person. Not many people actually said, oh, I had a relationship with uh, the Rebbitson. I, could, I went and I spoke with the Rebbitson. She, was, uh, she wasn't out there. She wasn't on the streets, like, you know, shaking hands and, you know, involved in, in causes and whatnot. She was there for her husband. That was what she was. That's her, her deal. They had a relative who lived in Borough Park. And the, the, the actual relative was, the, was the, the wife of the family, who later on became the mother in the family, the grandmother of the family. So there's all kinds of stories involving this family. They were, she was uh, the woman from Borough Park was the second cousin to the Rebbitson. She got sick, and the doctors said she needs an operation. So the husband called... The Rebbitson, the Rebbe's wife, to ask her husband, the Rebbe, for his advice and blessing. What should they do? So the Rebbe came home, and she presented it with the, the, the details. And the Rebbe said they should not do an operation. That was it. Finished. So she called back. The Rebbe says you should not do an operation. Some time went by. And her condition deteriorated. And they called back and said, the, the doctors really want to do an operation. Could you please ask your husband again? And this is, this is the reason why I'm telling this story. She said, a chosid, a disciple, never asks twice. But if you'll tell me what the details are, and if the Rebbe will ask what's happening, so then I'll explain. So the Rebbe came home, and the Rebbe said, what's doing with the family in Borough Park? And so she told them what happened. And the Rebbe said, I already said, she should not have an operation. So the Rebbeson called back to family and said, the Rebbe said, you should not have the operation. The woman's condition deteriorated. And they again called back the Rebbeson. It's like really serious now. And she said, I told you, I'm not going to ask the Rebbe again. I already asked. And we've got two answers. Do not do an operation. So when the Rebbe came home, he asked again, what's happening with the relative in Borough Park? And she said again. So the Rebbe said, they should not do an operation. They should look into medicine instead. 
So she called back the relative and said, you should look into medicine. So the relative asked the doctor, what about medicine? And the doctor just laughed. There's no medicine. So but they, having faith in the Rebbe, they went around to the different doctors and different departments, like not knowing maybe one department. So they went and they talked to one doctor. And the doctor, I don't know what department he was with, said, there is a medication that might work. I think it will work for this. He said, I have a white coat and I can go anywhere in the hospital. And so he went and he uh, charted it and he gave her an injection. The next day, her condition stabilized. And they were very happy. Look, the condition stabilized. And uh, every day, this doctor would go and give an injection. So in the course of uh, uh, like two weeks, the woman was out of the hospital. The, the woman, the, the family uh, called up the Rebbitson and said, the Rebbe's wife, and said that the relative is out of the hospital and is going to make a complete cure. So when the Rebbe came home, so the Rebbitson said, told her the good news. So the Rebbe said back to her, and this is how we know the stories, because the Rebbitson said it back to the family, the Rebbe's answer. He said, I saw an operation was not going to do it because she did not have the strength to survive an operation. She would not have survived an operation. And there must be a medication that would work for her. And this is what the Rebbe saw. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a good week. We hope to see you back again next week. Oh, for those people who will be complaining and sending me emails that I didn't play a Klezmer song. So I'm going to be closing with a Yiddish gem. It's not exactly Klezmer, but last week or the week before, I closed with God Bless America in Yiddish. So someone wrote me a letter and said... Do you have any other, like, really cool songs that were translated into uh, to Yiddish? So, this is Cole Porter's Night and Day in Yiddish. And that's how we're closing. Take care. We'll see you next week. Make sein Klur, make sein Zimmisch. Sie will ich ja, sie will ich nicht. Ich geh euch noch dir, Tag in Nacht. Tag in Nacht, du Winter, mein zarte Heut. Eppes nöcht in der Kitsche des Mitschild, in es macht mir dem Teut, in es wird mir nicht vergehen, bis ich will das ganze Leben nicht sein mit dir allein. Tag in Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.